0: If you had the chance, would you change the world? Welcome. I am your host, Ebony Gustav, and this is Cooperative Journal, where I interview mutual aid initiatives and cooperatives from around the world who are creating alternatives to our current economic system. Equal Care is providing an alternative to a care system where care workers are undervalued and underpaid. They are a multi-stakeholder cooperative in England that values building trusted relationships between the giver and receiver of support. Their care offerings have a wide range from personal care and practical jobs, to help with life admin and community advocacy, to mental health and well-being support. Workers get a decent wage without the people getting support having to pay more. The receiver and caregiver are involved in the decision making process and intentionally choose each other. In this episode, I speak with care worker member Eleanor Bennett and founder Emma Back about the voids they are filling within the current care system, benefits of being an independent care worker of the co-op, using sociocracy for decision making, their organizational model for members. And be sure to tune in to the end of the episode for funding opportunities and developmental support for co ops in the UK. I will also drop those links in the show notes. Hello, Eleanor and Emma. Welcome to the podcast. The pandemic has made it even more evident how essential care is to our well-being and how it has been neglected in our system. Especially with all of the mutual aid initiatives that have developed in the past year, it has shown that the most reliable type of care is care for each other. So I'm really interested in the model you've created to provide reciprocal care. Can you please explain what Equal Care Co-op is and what inspired its development?
1: Uh, I guess that's a me question. <laughs> um, um, so we are a multi-stakeholder cooperative so we're owned by the people who give the support and the people who get the support and family members. Um, we also have a class of uh, investor members as well um, as, and that's kind of the way that we're able to start up. Um, using a kind of UK instrument called the community share offer um, which is a kind of sort of ethical kind of uh, route to investment Um, the model that is it's a real mix um, from kind of various sources but um, in short it's kind of relationship centered so we focus a lot on the relationship that exists between the person giving and the person getting and making that as kind of as flourishing and as um, rewarding as possible because um, we think and uh, have now seen that it has hugely kind of positive effects on people's health people's well-being um, for on both sides of the coin. Um, the way in which um, we kind of go about Giving support is that uh, the person who is looking for support is their kind of the team owner. So, um, and then we look to make kind of mutual matches that then go into the team. Um, so instead of the usual scenario of like a domiciliary care agency, where if you're giving support, you might see anything up to like 15 people in a day, um, the largest number of teams that we have uh, that one person is in is six. Um, and the, so the kind of the relationships are much deeper, um, and the, uh, and and it also means that, you know, people are much less likely to make mistakes and things like that. Like all of these kind of issues that, that sort of exist in the care, care industry as a whole, um, on the community side, we sort of work sociocratically, which is, um, a bit of a long way of saying that we kind of make decisions in small groups. Um, and we, we use kind of self-managing principles to be able to do that. And that's kind of working by consent um, to, to, to make decisions, which is not the same as consensus. It is, it is more effective <laughs> than so you can like, actually get stuff done. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, in order to support the self-management and also in order to be able to pay um, care and support workers, like what the, 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 I mean, the value of the of the work is is far higher than it's currently valued by society it's reproductive labor it's mostly women doing it like those are historically undervalued um sectors uh, where you see those characteristics um, but so we're building a digital platform which so we're known as a platform co-op um, uh, in order to be able to co-own the technology as well um, and to be able to um you leverage the kind of efficiencies that a digital platform can offer, um, in order for a the lion's share of the hourly rate to go to the care and support worker. So that's kind of yeah, Eleanor. I don't know if you want to <laughs> jump I in think, here.
2: I think you covered it beautifully. I, you know it much better than me. It's your your little baby. <laughs> your <big> baby. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And it, it came about through um, my experience working in mental health and advocacy services and kind of designing and developing services uh, and also seeing the kind of the hugely n- negative impacts that operating in a structure that um, denigrates status. So like top down structures, um, where actually the people who are doing the work are in the context of the organisational structure they're in, they're at the bottom. Um, which is just rubbish on so many counts. Um, and yeah, and then also kind of just really understanding the way that, um, care and support gets sort of commissioned and delivered in, in the UK. So I could kind of see a way to, to like hack that (laughs) a little bit. Um, and yeah, we're just coming to the end of our pilot year, the platform itself or a light version of it anyway, is due to be launched in a month um and yeah what a year to do a pilot year in
0: (laughs) I think it's the perfect year to do a pilot in um because there's so much need um but you've already started to talk about a little bit of some of the voids within the care system in the UK can you speak on some more of those and how you're filling that by using a cooperative model? It's less the cooperative model actually,
1: uh, and more the, the model of care and support that we're, that we're using around that. So kind of team members, um, are also volunteers, um, as well as paid workers. We regard family as team members, um, and kind of extend support, um, in that sense as well. Uh, I think one of the kind of the major limitations that we saw with the mutual aid groups as they emerged um, was that they were kind of doorstep only and were only ever able to be doorstep only uh, in the middle of a global pandemic. (laughs) Um, So there's still this real disjunct between being able to step over the threshold um, and not. So yeah, like I, I see our model is being able to bring those two things together. So you can have a volunteer or two in your team who can like be a listening ear and they can do like run errands, um, and do your shopping and things like that. Um, but they are working as part of a wider group of people, um, which includes care and support professionals, um, to kind of really develop that, that resilience. It's still in development. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there are are a few teams at the moment where we have where we have kind of volunteers and care support workers and family members um but uh still in the majority i think it's it's uh family and independent workers
0: and eleanor have you worked in the care system otherwise outside of equal care co-op i'm curious what your perspective is of the difference of the two
2: yeah i mean i've i pretty much have worked in the care sector since uni even though it's not what i studied at all um um so i've i've experienced a lot of different um environments and a lot of different situations i worked in like a mental health hospital for a long time i've done a little bit of domiciliary care i've worked in um, brain injury rehabilitation um i've done things like live-in care, a lot of elderly work um, with people with dementia and the common thread throughout all of it is basically just not really feeling very valued. It's just just this sort of like stigmatism of it's like the fact that it's sort of um, that you don't have to have any sort of strong qualification to be a carer. So I think it's sort of regarded as an it's sort of regarded as an unskilled job in, in many ways. But um there are skills that I think perhaps come in the in your personality as as a being that you are that you can't maybe be taught in many ways. But um so it it really definitely like perpetuated this feeling of just like not being very worthwhile, um, and, you know, feeling like it's not in, it's, uh, it's not enough or something. And, and I think that's basically, it's not how you, you're not treated like that because um, you're not, it's never that you're treated badly, but it's not that you're valued somehow. And, um, and i think think there's like the support as well because i think caring can be a really it can be really tough on your emotions it can be quite um draining in a in an emotional sense probably and and i think coming to equal care is the first time that i've ever felt like um like this this is a really like that i'm that i'm proud to be a carer and um before i really didn't feel that and this is the first time that's ever happened and the way that it's structured and the it's, it's just it's it's almost like there's a lack of structure that brings this sort of like fluidity and like um humanness to it all where it's like we're all you know involved in a in a way that's like nobody seems to be higher or lower there's a there's a lack there's no hierarchy and that's so healing like i don't know that's just felt really important and i i feel like since i've been part of equal care something has bloomed you know like it's it, it it's it's filled a, a void that needed filling and and to see and to see the how the care how wholesome the care is because of that yeah it's not it has a knock-on effect because you feel valued you give and you you' you're, it's you know the giving and receiving is so much more holistic um, and the relationships are deeper they're much more personal um, and it's almost like before you're not you're not allowed to get deep relationships because it has to be sterile almost. It's like emotionally sterile as well. So this is like a a different, it's so different in that respect. So there's, there's feeling, there's, there's soul, you know, there's life and it's, it just, it's just the way it should be. And I yeah really hope that it spreads, you know, so that's been my experience um, so far. And the, the, the contrast is, is huge.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, it seems like equal care is also equal value um, for the receiver and the giver. And I know care workers do experience a lot of mental and emotional burden that turned into burnout because they're not even being financially valued in the way that they should. and so I'm curious how Equal Care is valuing their members. Um, can, can you explain the organizational model for the members of the co-op and how that all works together to create this circular model?
1: So it's, it's kind of funny that um, I think this is important to, about the difference between a co-op and a mutual. So we're not a mutual. Um, which means that if you join, you don't have to be a member um, in order to receive support or in order to give support. Um, obviously in terms of the quality of the experience and um, the uh, uh, and, 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 and things like the pay and kind of the, the work that you're doing, there's, there's not gonna be any difference as to whether you're a member or not. Um, Uh, you know you don't have to become a member if you're getting support and then suddenly you magically get like radically better support it's no no (laughs) um the way however in terms of the decisions and the wider decisions um and i'm going to caveat this with like that the there are quite a few layers to the model and about 70% of it is still either on paper <laughs> or in our brains. Um, it's not actually out in the real world yet. Um, but kind of in terms of the membership and in terms of um, the way that the uh, the organization runs locally um, and in a larger sense, that is where the, that is where the membership kind of Starts to be felt. Um, so I'm talking particularly about the larger kind of contracts and the the more organisational kind of management decisions that usually get made by management um, uh, is a, 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 to be made in circles. Um, and this is like circles is like a team. So it's, it's the kind of the, the, the decisioning, the decision-making unit of sociocracy um, and those circles are kind of representative. Um, so an example the platform council, which is a representative group of people who have kind of, uh, who hold the uh, developers to account. This would be kind of similar, but location-based. Um, so this is kind of the next, the next Piece of work um, that's uh, happening very very soon over the next like one to two months, um, which is bringing members in. So so from both sides, if you're a supported member or an advocate member, which is family member or um, a worker member, um, and volunteers can become worker members as well. By the way, so it's about anyone who just contributes their labour. It doesn't matter what basis that's from. It doesn't doesn't matter. Um, and uh, and then they would kind of be forming the membership of the location-based circle, and then they, then that's where the decisions go for um, basically anything that affects the location at that level, um, like a contract for the care and support itself, as. And we're fighting a little bit against legislation and institutionalization and custom and practice here in fact we're fighting a lot against it i think it's fair to say uh, um the decisions about the care and support itself happen in the teams so kind of going back to that thing about expertise or experience the expertise is with the person who knows that person the best um and, and at the end of the day, the expertise is with the person themselves who's getting support. So um, no, they know best because they are them. <laughs> um, and what kind of often seems to happen in, in care and support settings, which are incredibly hierarchical, um, is that you get the kind of the manager knows best, manager knows best no, I don't care if you as a, as a care worker has been working with this person for the past three months and you've seen exactly the journey that they've been on. I don't care because I'm the manager and I'm going to come in and do an assessment and I'm going to then tell you what's wrong with what you're doing. Um, and yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a real, like the, the approach is so backwards. Um, uh, that that, yeah you're kind of listening to the wrong people um and as a result um people getting support don't get don't get what they want or get horribly enmeshed in the bureaucracy um of the the care system going wrong um as a whole so it's teams on the ground just to summarize (laughs) and then it's the circles that are making the kind of operational type strategic decisions which are relevant to to that circle's work they are not coming in with their like big boots and saying no you can't do this no you can't do that
0: and so are the circles made up of each type of member Um, because I know you have supported members which are the ones receiving the support through the platform the worker members who which is anyone contributing to labor including the volunteers um, independent workers which offer support through the platform and then you have the advocate members um that are friends and family of a member that is ill uh oh yeah and then the investor member as well so that's who the circles are comprised of
1: no that's the um the overall membership of the cooperative so think of think of that as like the shareholders of of that group they're like the shareholders of a normal company Um, it's just that they're massively more involved <laughs> than, because they're in a direct economic relationship with the cooperative. Um, and then the circles themselves are based on, so the majority of the circles are made up of worker members. Um, but then things like so the board is has provision for supportive members, advocate members, so that's more representative. Um, and then the location-based circles um, are more representative as well. Um, so yeah, and it's usually made up of a mix of employees and independent workers and volunteers. So we have kind of the cross section of, of how you're experiencing the cooperative because what an employee sees is going to be very different from what an independent worker sees from what a volunteer sees. Like you have to, if, if we don't have all of those perspectives, then um, yeah, making false assumptions and missing things. And the same goes for bringing in people who are getting support family members.
0: Yeah, I think this allows for more agency for all of the members. Um, And I know that you guys are also in the works of creating an alternative currency, which will also give more agency. Um, Can you speak a bit about that? Oh
2: God, that's like,
1: (laughs) I'm a very optimistic person. (laughs) It's like, okay, so we're going to sell people kick off and it's going to be this, 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 and this. And then, and then, it's like, oh, this is taking a long time to get set up, isn't it? Goodness me. Um, right. So, yeah, the the, the the purpose of the alternative currency is to be able to embed reciprocity um, and the value of peer support and the value of unpaid labor and, and to recognize that informal work that goes on. In and amongst family, with volunteers, over and above kind of work that that ind- independent workers um, and uh, and also em- employed care workers do themselves. Um, it's about that mechanism of recognising that. Um, I'm. It's it's so up in the air. It's not even like it's kind of exploded as an idea in all sorts of different directions at the moment. So uh, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> um but yeah i'm still very excited about it um and uh yeah i think one thing that i will say in relation to it is that in the way that we're developing the platform um we're thinking of it as hats so if i'm going to get support then i'm putting on my getting support hat like you are not you are not your hat (laughs) um which can often sort of end up happening with sort of compassion burnout as well, because care workers tend to forget that they don't have to give all of the time. (laughs) Um, and that you need to get support as well in order to give and in order for that to be like, to keep the flow going and to keep that healthy. Um, so I think you can hear my six year old (laughs) down. Um, and uh, and so that the platform is built with that in mind. So you might come on in order to give support, but then a little bit further down the line, you might need to support yourself. So hence the availability of volunteers, hence the availability of like people there to come and go, oh, you need some help. I'm here. I can help you. It doesn't matter if you're also giving support over there or that you're, you're in the care worker category. You're not in a category. You're just a human. <laughs> and right now you need some support. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's trying to decouple that kind of really insidious thing of um, like identifying with with the role that you find yourself that that you kind of happen to be in at this particular point in your life.
0: Yeah, I find that cooperative models tend to have more of a support network amongst members um, so I'm curious to know what kind of support does equal care offer its members in general maybe Eleanor you can speak about the type of support that you've experienced sure yeah um well
2: um in particular there's been it's been I'm in a team that's that's very very intense and um it's it's lovely but sometimes it can be really really strong a really strong experience as well And it's um, been it's taught me a lot, and I've had to uh, process a lot, a lot of emotions and a lot of uh, thoughts and whatnot. And um, so, one of the um, care coordinators is has been sort of holding me a little, a little bit more directly. Um, She's been, you know, available for me to talk to on the phone and she's she's you know she says just call me whenever you want there was a point when we were having a a monthly kind of get together a monthly catch-up where i could sort of like offload anything i needed to offload and sort of just talk through anything that i needed to understand a bit more Um, and then i felt like it was okay I, i didn't i didn't need that monthly phone call but she's always there and um and then, when I did really need to talk to somebody again she was she was there straight away and spent so much time with me on the phone um talking things through, and even did like some emotional freedom technique technique the um the tapping the e f t um so and that really was really effective actually, and has made me want to do more e f t um but yeah so she was just there she's been there and that's she's there for me and i think there are different you know care coordinator care coordinators there for all the different um members um all the different um care workers and i think maybe this one this team that i'm part of might be a more intense one so it might be the, the i don't know the people's um circumstances but this is what's been offered to me and I, and the support I've had has been amazing and then when it has been a little bit tough I found that everyone seemed to be supportive and um, understanding and really wanting to make it harmonious again you know there's no like oh well I think you should just you know pull up your boots and get on with it it's like okay well how can we how can we make this work for everyone involved so that you're not, you're not, you know, going over the edge. And so that that person who is in, who's receiving the care is still receiving good care because if you, if you fall off the edge, you can't give the care you need to. So it's in everyone's interest for, for for, for, for everyone to be feeling well. So, yeah, I definitely felt felt a lot of support and a lot of a lot of love as well. You know, like genuine from the heart. It's not just like lip service. It really, it's true. So, yeah, yeah, it's
0: it's been it's been really really lovely in that way. That's beautiful and so important, especially as um, care giving care support is again such an emotional and. Uh, mental burden it can be um so then who do you vent to instead of like bottling that in and that turning into um burnout or trauma and and also having to deal with the other person's trauma that you're giving support to like you take all of that in and it can really drain you so it's so important to have a network amongst you that can also give you all the love and care that you need um so that you can project that outward what kind of care support is offered by independent worker members who should i go with that um
2: pretty much everything you know like just from something really basic as in like maybe getting some shopping in for somebody um all the way to full-on end-of-life care, um, full, you know, personal care, um, with hoists and all sorts. Um, So it's really the full spectrum. And also, you know, emotional support. support. If somebody is in need of, of... some sort of therapeutic relationship maybe somebody going around and doing some craft with them um there really isn't any rules it's like if you need support in some way then equal care can cater for it in in some way as well and and have a a really wide variety of different people that can sort of offer those that support as well um so it's yeah it's very very fluid and you know, there always seems to be somebody that is, that, that is right for that part, right for that job. So it's always, uh, it's always catered for it seems.
1: It really depends on the, it kind of goes back to the match. So kind of like what Eleanor was saying earlier about it feeling really fluid. It's every single team is different. Every single team works to a different rhythm and a different way um, uh, we don't kind of like a lot of care talks about quality standards and talks about it's as if it's as if the type of support that you're that you're giving is kind of off a factory production line is how a lot of it is talked about. That's the kind of governing metaphor for how quality in care is talked about. We we, we don't really use those metaphors um, and we try to pull away from them as much as possible because um, they're they're kind of fundamentally damaging. And um, so we talk m- more about kind of like, I think of every team as, as being a different thumbprint mm-hmm. um, and it's about what does flourishing look like? What does resilient look like? What does kind look like? What does fair look like in those teams? So kind of going back to core human values and going, that's quality. Like, that's the kind of experience that I want to have when I die. <laughs> um, and if you're not thinking in those terms, if you're kind of looking at, you know, if, if all you're looking at is the external indicators that a team is doing well and you're ignoring what's actually going on under the surface, you can, um, yeah, just, it's just like, produce kind of relationships that are damaging on a on a day-to-day basis really But um, in terms of this of the type of support the the other uh kind of angle of it is um uh, people who have kind of advocacy experience and ad- administrative experience like the amount of sort of life admin and overwhelm that can that can take place really uh with people getting certain kind of various types of support is is huge. Um, and then also helping people um, like present their case to others. So the way that our government um, and uh, welfare system works is that you have to prove that you're needy, you have to talk about your lacks, you have to talk about your weaknesses, um, and you have to talk about yourself in terms of, you know, this is how much of a burden on the state I am. Um, Now you need to assess me. And it's this, it is the most horrific, debilitating, depressing experience to go through. You have to pick out every single piece of evidence that shows how much you are struggling as a human being and ignore all of your successes and all of your triumphs. It's horrific. (laughs) Um, So, you know, helping people do that (laughs) Um, and coping with the emotional fallout of that as well. Um, So yeah, kind of operating in quite a regressive system Um, and it's like how much of a little sort of bubble of protection can can you create to, to combat it.
0: Yeah, I really like the broad spectrum of care that you provide because I know at least when I think of a care system, I just think of someone that can't fend for themselves and they need someone with them most of the time Um, and I also like the point you made about all of the all of the bad things you have to point out in order to get care from the system because that sense of powerlessness just feeds the the situation that they're in and it perpetuates it even further um so what kind of care do you offer, Eleanor? Do you offer a spectrum of things? Yeah, yeah, I'm
2: I am happy to go from little to lots and yeah, I, at the moment I'm I'm working um in a team with um that needs a, a lot with a, with a individual that needs a lot of support, um, and it's also, um, relatively end of life as well. Um, so, and the, the, the the circumstances are intensifying as we go along. So, um, it's very much been like a year of, of adapting and going with the, with Going with the flow of this, of this um, situation unfolding more and more and more, up until the point when, eventually, um, the individual will will die. Um, so it's, yeah, this is this has been one of one of the most, uh, the deepest sort of uh, journeys I've been on with working with somebody as a as a carer think um, so but if, if, yeah I, I have i've also worked in with with much less sort of personal care and sort of more more um daily sort of chores and emotional support and that sort of thing as well um, but yeah the, the, the work i'm doing at the moment is sort of a full spectrum of 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 many
0: things in a way so it's 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 a very rich experience yeah it's almost like you're experiencing the full spectrum of life through caring for others um the different needs that we have throughout our journey up until death so i'm sure that's really transformative and also allows you to have um, not just compassion for, them, for the other person, but self-compassion as well as you go through those different stages of life. I'm wondering how you guys balance um, fair wage and fair cost between members.
1: Uh, so <laughs> We sort of sum, of it, sum it up by um, getting as much money to the front line as we possibly can through as many different means as we possibly can um whilst not making it more expensive for the person getting support that's the that's the margin <laughs> that we work on and you know one, one of the techniques of doing that is through the platform one of the techniques is around self-management um, one of them is around the balance of so we we haven't directly employed um, care and support workers yet but that is that that's going to be our next hires um, so that there's the balance between uh, people who are employed and people who are independent and to um, ensure that that's still rooted in consent um, and choice um, and then what else the um in terms of the kind of being able to bolster that work with um, uh, being being able to produce a sort of like coherent and rewarding experience for the people who are doing it for free, uh, so who are volunteering, um, then that's through um, sort so, sort of grants, but not 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 grants so much as more kind of the horrible kind of phrase befriending um uh to to befriend someone like a a lot of local authority contracts will um uh, will include some form of uh befriending service so in terms of the kind of diversity of services that we're going to be applying for um uh, with our first contract application taking place in about six weeks time uh the um like that that kind of diversity is the strength um that our financial model is the (laughs) same we got some pro bono support um from consultancy uh to to help with this um but fundamentally it is a platform-based business model um so instead of the the kind of um, value extraction uh that 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 platform-based businesses tend to engage in—it's um, like it's a commons contribution. So the platform is the equivalent of the village green, <laughs> um, and then like people are kind of taking the, taking turns to mow it, and you know, um, also uh, or or pay the pay the gardener. <laughs> um, but none of the money kind of leaves the system in the way that it does with the pro- with the for profit. Versions of, um, of care platforms. Um, so the way that the investment works is that it's it's in terms of the cost of it to the cooperative, um, it's based on an interest payment um, as opposed to a dividend payout. Or if it is a dividend payout, which would be voted on by the members, then um, it would be time limited. So it's not the case of like, I'm going to invest in equal care co-op and uh, my target is I'm going to get five times of my investment back, um, which is, uh, so I've spoken to investors that are anything from like five to hundred, a hundred X, they say. Um, <laughs> 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 nope. uh, it just means that you're going to get, you're going to get a good rate of return. You're going to kind of really um, help transform social care in the UK um but yeah when the value of the work and the value that's generated stays within the cooperative um and yeah gets spent in the community
0: you know I think that's so important and it's also what separates cooperative models from um a regular traditional model is the fact that the money does stay circulated within the cooperative itself or within the community and the people that are making the decision of of where the money goes are the people within the co-op and you spoke a little bit about funding can you speak on how you got funding to develop the co-op well it was a bit slow (laughs) my um uh yeah because
1: cooperatives um don't get access to an asset lock um they don't get access to a statutory asset lock uh which then impacts on the funding and by asset lock that kind of means that it is legally impossible for the organization to transfer its assets out to another organization um we have an asset lock in our rules um but uh, the only organisations that have access to a statutory one are community interest companies and charities. And we didn't become a charity because uh, the model is all wrong. (laughs) It's all about, you know, helping other people in need rather than self-help, mutual aid, reciprocity, uh, ownership, um, you know, all of the things that we want to change about the care and support sector. Uh, Charity model is does not pass. Um, very paternal, kind of, anyway. Uh, So yeah, not a charity. Um, And so that's meant that we, that's restricted the amount of grants that we were able to apply for uh, in starting up. Um, Overall overall in grants, I think we've received around 150K, um, all of which have been relatively small pots, which has obviously been quite a lot of work uh, relative to the size of the grant. I'm annoying <laughs> um but yeah we, we we are still um eligible for for a few forms of grants so we will still be applying for, for special projects and, and funding through those um but the main uh core of our funding uh because we're loss making at the moment and we will continue to be loss making until at least mid 2022 which is fine <laughs> it is fine it was in a plan um Uh, is through investment and that's through the community share offer. So we ran a Pioneer community share offer a couple of years ago uh, in 2019, June 2019. Uh, We launched it and ran it for three months um, and raised £400,000 and it's that money basically that we've been spending uh, in order to get up and running, in order to build the platform, uh, in order to build track records so that we can do things like apply for contracts this year. Um, and, you know, like just test the idea, see if it works. Um, and so far the results are kind of, yes, but let's change this. Let's change that. So there's there's been a real kind of iterative cycle where we've, we've kind of been like, Oh, this bit doesn't seem to be working. Let's just take a look at it and, Um, Yeah, workshop it. Talk about it. Use post-its. Yeah, and and then we're planning a um, larger race. So just to put this in perspective, our care platform, aspirational competitors at the moment, uh, raised like the least the amount that one of them, the first one of them, raised was two and a half million in their in their seed round. So. (laughs) the 2020 and then the most was around 9 million and that's for just a live-in care platform crazy numbers um so we're going to be running another offer this year um targeting uh, anything between 600k to three and a half million um and yeah that's kind of through community through institutions uh, there's, there's a big like capital investment gap in the UK at the moment for cooperatives. So we'll be working with um, hopefully the FCA uh, to develop an offer that means that we can access some of those larger sums. Because at, at the moment, things like pension funds or, or, or other forms of funds um, that, that are dedicated to social impact investment can't um, or... Or don't invest in community share offers um, because they are, uh, in effect, an unregulated product. Um, Co ops are much more likely to succeed, by the way, than, than for profit businesses. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, because they don't have that extra kind of stamp of approval from the FCA, uh, then it makes it a lot harder for social impact investors to invest in early stage um, cooperative businesses. So yeah, we're looking to change that that and everything else
0: <laughs> i know you also got support from co-ops uk right can you speak mm-hmm. about how they've helped your development
1: yeah co-ops uk have been amazing uh so they they cottoned onto the idea of platform co-ops pretty quickly um they were the first uh cooperative development organization globally to run an accelerator Uh, for platform co-ops in 2018 and that was two years after trevor schultz published his and nathan schneider published the paper on platform cooperativism um and uh so we were on that and then in order to so they're they're also a partner on something called like power to change booster fund um and they're an investment partner there so they are, an, they are an investor of ours. They are our biggest investor. It's Co-Ops UK. Um, uh, and the booster fund was a match-for-match like, match, um, investment amount up to £100,000, uh, which we got. And then there was also another matched fund amount uh, that came through Open Society Foundation, which Co-Ops UK also like, applied to, for a grant to do. And uh, so 73 of that went into Equal Care. So overall, they're fairly well exposed. <laughs> We're doing we're doing we're doing okay, so it's all right. They're okay. Um, They also have given us support through the Hive, uh, which is this kind of co-op development um, support resource uh, where you basically get a consultant for kind of a set number of days. Um, So we got that for um, uh, for us to incorporate, and we got that for. Uh, help with the first community share offer which was invaluable um and we've also got it for this next community share offer uh which was a slightly fewer days than they gave us last time but you know fair enough (laughs) but yeah they've been a massive supporter and um just
0: like wow wow that is amazing and i wish you guys so much luck with um Gathering all the funds that you're going to be applying to in the near future. So, I would love to know what advice would you give to others that are trying to create alternative systems of care on a local level?
1: (laughs) Uh, It's a bit glib to say, come and work with us, isn't it? That's what I want to say. (laughs) <laughs> like it takes time it takes so much time to self up care cooperative there are a lot of barriers in the way that um yeah it takes it take. you know you have to really really commit <laughs> um uh advice like persistence is a virtue um and one which i really like which kind of one of the co-op um people says a lot is find the others find the others like, oh yeah find the others <laughs> so so yeah for, for a long while with equal power I just kind of sat in my attic and then which I'm actually back in the attic so you know not
2: much has changed
1: <laughs> but uh, uh I'm not like miserable um really depressed and
2: alone anymore so that helps <laughs>
1: but yeah find the others <laughs> don't kind of yeah just try and do it by yourself um and then get stuck uh, and then the other side of it is, yeah, like really engaging with your, with the co-op development support that's out there. Cause there is a lot of support and there's, yeah, that's, there are a lot of networks um, and help to get it done. Um, I should add actually for the UK, uh, I know that um, uh, one of the, another care co-op that sort of started around the same time as us in Kirklees, which is like a close, um, uh, borough uh, have developed a kind of a bit of a how-to guide for starting a cooperative um, and they've made that open source and public so um, yeah there's things like that but yeah I think some uh, the, of the tech and the financing is is, is pretty full-on <sighs> um yeah we want to supercharge it
0: yeah, I'll definitely add the funding and developmental resources in the show notes. And I'll also ask you for maybe any recommendations you have on um, sociocracy, since that is your decision-making tool. And I know funding and decision-making are two of the most difficult things when developing a co-op. So I think that will be really useful. Yeah. Um, and the last question that i ask everyone is how do you envision a changed world oh wow that's that's a big question oh and in a changed world
2: is a world where yeah where community is the like community is the framework in which we in which we function where where we are all working in a uh, synchronistic manner with with each other and with the earth as well, and with our environment, and valuing each and every being, honouring life for all the beings on earth and of and the earth itself. Um, yeah, um, I think there's a word that's been coming up recently, um, cynarchy, synarchy, synarchy, um, which is the yeah the dis the, dissolu- the dissolving of hierarchy and more of a mandala of of existence. You know, dancing together, and I think this is the new way to 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 live and the, the way in which there are pockets of humanity that are envisaging this and and moving this way and these and a cooperative like this is a little as a is a, an example of that and that of that new awareness of collective like we instead of me and it's very much been a system of me me myself and i and i feel we are transforming into we and a more collective awareness and um even though when you look out to the world, it doesn't look like anything it is changing, but there is these pockets of love that are massively popping up everywhere, and you, and that they make all the difference. And I I feel this is the current in which we're moving, and that's a changed world. Is yeah, is that is that community, that togetherness, that respect, and uh, and honouring every everyone and everything. And yeah. With love at the love at
1: the core <laughs> of it all. So yeah, I just I just I, I agree with all of that. And I think all of it is so beautiful. Um, oh, it was so beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd like organisations to just evolve beyond um, having command and control as the default way of way of doing and being because I think it just squishes people so effectively. (laughs) Mm. Um, uh, And yeah, just a bit more kind of uh, courage around kind of making mistakes out in the open as well. Mm. Um, That's okay. Uh, and having, um, yeah. Well, I just like saying what Eleanor said, but not as well. So.
2: <laughs> um, oh, yeah. more, more specific, <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah, like properly valuing this work, this the work of childcare, the work of supporting one another, um, recognizing the work that that takes place in reciprocity, regardless of which side of the coin it is. Um, uh, And for that to be translated into like genuine economic decisions (laughs) that actually recognize that, you know, I was like, ah, I get this, like the, the, the work that the Women's Budget Group did around the economic impact of investing in the care sector. And how much bigger that is than investing in the construction sector which is like traditionally the place that male politicians enjoy investing because they get to wear hard hats and like stride around so, like pose next to cranes <laughs> like, and it's just so phallic like you don't need that <laughs> and that's what's driving our economic policy decisions crazy um but yeah just listen a little bit more to that evidence and and hear it as well as seeing it around you
0: so so beautiful um I really like the synarchy am I saying it right that yeah that just summed it up all so perfectly to move with flow and in harmony with nature and each other um and, yeah, and to dissolve that hierarchy, to give everyone the agency, the care and love that we all need. So thank you both so much for the wonderful work that you're doing to contribute to a more beautiful world. And thank you, Ebony, for your interviews and podcasts. Mm, yeah, bringing forth the, the cooperative way. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm on a mission to get these little known solutions out to as many people as possible. So please help me by sharing, leaving a like and a review. If you would like to stay in the loop about future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast or my newsletter at cooperativejournal.com. Because I didn't say save the world, I said change the world, improve
2: it, make it better than we find it.